You're listening to Look Who's Talking, a podcast focused on getting into the nitty-gritty of sports media and broadcasting. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with a man who makes this magic happen. He worked for the NFL Network, CBS Sports, and the Pac-12 Network, and I am stoked to have him on with me, Justin Waholtz. Justin, thanks for making today happen, man. I know this has been a few weeks in the making, so I appreciate your uh, your dedication to making it come to fruition. Absolutely. We've been trying to do this for a while, Brad. I appreciate you having me, and and by the way, man, I, I love the name of the podcast. Brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But I want to get into you and how you've made a career producing premier content at the top level. I mean, I'm I'm here on the campus of University of Nebraska where kids are salivating at the opportunities that you've been able to actually live out with these top-tier organizations. But when you were first getting that start and breaking into these to these top networks, what type of content did you have to produce, or what were you trying to do to get your foot in that door at these networks like CBS or Pac-12? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess to, to answer that question, I'll have to take you back a little bit. I, I moved out to New York City to, uh, to finish my college career there at uh, Marymount Manhattan College. I felt like you know being in New York City would give me a good opportunity, um, you know, it's the media capital of the world, right? And, uh, you know, I felt like there'd be some good opportunities out there. And, and um, you know, like a lot of people who get into this business, Brad, um, you know, I, I think I had, you know, early designs uh, about, you know, being, a, 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 you know, on-air talent in this deal. And, and I think a lot of us, you know, who get into this business, um you know, sort of fantasize a little bit about being in front of the camera and, and hosting shows or being a reporter or, or you know, what have you. Um, but, you know, I got my first opportunity at CBS College Sports Network in New York City. Um, I was hired as a, I was hired on a six-week contract uh, for CBS Sports Network and as a researcher. And, you know, I was lucky enough um, you know, after that six week was up to, to get retained and, and, uh, and got to stay on the staff. And I ended up working at CBS Sports Network for, for four plus years, four and a half years. And, you know, like I said, my first gig there was as a researcher. So I was, you know, helping out on air talent with game notes, stats, you know, things of the like. Um, we did a, uh, we did a uh, nightly show called College Sports Tonight, which ran Monday through Friday. And, um, so that's sort of how I cut my teeth, you know, and, and, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too far into my career, Brad, where I, I quickly realized that, you know, being in front of the camera was not going to be for me. Uh, and, you know, serving in my role as a researcher at that network, um, you know, I got to participate in, um, you know, show meetings, right. With producers and talent and, uh, I ended up being the lead researcher for um, for our flagship football show, college football show called Inside College Football. And as a matter of fact, Trev Alberts at that time was a college football analyst for CBS Sports Network, which was an absolute thrill for me to be able to work alongside Trev Alberts. You know, I mean, growing up, he was a, an absolute hero of mine. You know, I, you know I'm a, a big Huskers guy. Um, and so that was that was obviously a thrill of a lifetime to be able to work alongside him. But conversely, um, 
you know, the other experience that I had, you know, as a researcher, Brad, was I got to, to you know, get a, a front row seat to um, sort of see the development of, you know, how these shows get developed um, on a, you know, week-to-week basis. And um, a guy by the name of Tyler Hale, who was the senior producer at the time, uh, that network was the producer for Inside College Football. And, you know, I just sort of, you know, jumped in his back pocket, Brad, and, and, um, and you know, saw, you know, so Inside College Football was, was a weekly show, right? So it was one night a week. And so I was a, a part of his, as, as the lead researcher on that show, I was a part of his planning process for these, for these shows week in and week out. And he and I would dialogue at the beginning of the week, you know, after, you know, all the games were played on Saturday. He would be getting all of his ducks in a row and he'd be stacking his show um, on Sundays and Mondays. And then he'd come to me and let me know what he needed. And, and you know, part of my responsibility was to create a, you know, massive research packet to send to our on-air talent before they all flew in from the various cities that they lived in to do the show. And, um, and then once the talent was in town and I got to take the part in the production meeting, um, what I quickly realized, Brad, was that, um, A, I did, I, I did not want to do on-air stuff, um, frankly, just because I didn't see myself, you know, being on-air talent, man, you have to be on all the time, and I, I just frankly didn't see myself doing that. Um, I've got a bad poker face, right? So, so if I'm in a bad mood, it's probably, probably going to come through on the air and, and things of that sort. But, uh, but the second thing I realized, Brad, was that I really, really admired and enjoyed watching, you know, Tyler Hale go about his business and, and how he developed and created these shows. And, and um, you know, one of the things that I liked that he did was he always kept a, a, a segment open every week, you know, to, to do something different, something creative within the show. Um, so, um, you know, to, to, to answer your original question, I mean, you know, you asked me, what types of, you know, elements and things that I've produced. I mean, I, like, throughout my career, Brad, I've, I've, you know, I've been in this business for about 13 years now, and and, um, I've produced every type of element that you could possibly think of in sports television, right? You know, from, you know, the the, the stuff that I started out doing, uh, you know, was just sort of the the nuts and bolts stuff, right? Um, After I you know, left my position as a researcher. I was, you know, um, promoted to uh, production assistant. And in that role, I was, you know, I, I produced VOs and bumps and teases, you know, show teases or thoughtful in bumps. And, and uh, you know, producing highlights, of course, was a big part of the deal. Um, you know, for both, you know, I would work on, you know, inside college football stuff and, and produce all the elements for that. And, and then, of course, on College Football Saturdays, um, you know, I was responsible for producing highlights, right, and, and, and writing shot sheets for that. Um, so, you know, then as my career went on and, and, and you know, I was promoted to associate producer and, and segment producer and things like that, my responsibilities, you know, started changing a bit, obviously, and, you know, then the type of elements that you're producing are, are becoming different. And I got to cut my teeth on, you know, producing, you know, feature stories, human interest stuff, um, um, you know, Vostot, you know, 
pieces that ran, you know, two or three minutes long, you know, previewing bowl games or what have you. So, um, you know, then in the segment producing uh, a portion of my career that I'm producing, you know, full-on segments and then even full-on shows as a segment producer. Um, so, really, I, you know, I just, I just started from, you know, the very bottom then and, and, and learned how to do really every every bit and piece, every element of a show that goes into a show, uh, I've been a part of producing, right? And um, so that's sort of how it, 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 it went and, and sort of the progression of my career and, and, and you know, the things I produced, um, you know, sort of flowed. You said you were the lead researcher. I'm sure that got you accustomed to preparing and over-preparing and sifting through information. How much preparation would you and your team do for, like, that weekly show? A lot. <laughs> a lot, right? So, I mean, you know, you're talking about, this. Is a, you know, that, that show was a, was a national show, right? So, um, you know, you're, you're covering, you know, top 25 teams, obviously, um, and you know that show was a was a two hour long show, right? So there's a lot of content in a show like that. Um, so what you're doing is, you know, you're sort of straddling, um, you're sort of straddling the lines between, you know, looking back at the week that just happened, right, recapping what happened, and then spinning it forward and looking at the week ahead, like the week coming ahead, right, and what games were coming, and and so. Uh, Brad, the, the, the short answer to your question is a lot of uh, preparation, a lot of hours uh, went into, um, you know, scouring, you know, game notes and, and uh, media guides and, you know, talking to sports information directors and, and um, you know, basically scouring the earth for any, any nugget that um, is usable, um, or unique, or maybe something that, you know, another network might not have, um, you know, getting on the phone, calling SIDs, asking them for information. Um, you know, you really have to be proactive in, in that, that sense um, to uncover good content, right, and, and good information. Um, because really that's, that, you know, at the, at the core of it all, right, is, is your, you, you know, sports television, what you're doing is your informing an audience first and foremost, right, and then entertaining them. Um, but you want, you know, my goal always throughout my career, right, is to, you know, try to tell people something that they don't know, right? So, um, you know, to do that, and, you know, the sports, you know, the sports fan, um, you know, a, a lot of sports fans are, are very knowledgeable and, um, you know, they, they make it their business to know everything about their team and, and um so you really have to, you know, think creatively and, 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 and try to figure out information that, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't already know off the top of their head. So um, hours upon hours, you know, uh, you know, at least, you know, I think our, I think if I remember correctly, Brad, our show is on Wednesdays. So, you know, we're talking Sunday through Tuesday is, is, is you know, I'm spending three days creating uh, you know, a massive research packet, which I send out to the town, right? So this research packet would be anywhere from, you know, 30 to 50 pages long. And, um, um, and you know, we had a, a, a guy by the name of Brian Jones who still works for CBS Sports. Um, he's a terrific analyst for them. Um, you know, this guy had a 
photographic memory, right? And, um, you know, I would send him these packets and on Wednesdays when we would, when we would take the show, it was, it was a, uh, a live to tape show. Um, you know, this guy would rattle off half the stuff that I would send him in that packet, which was always neat to see. You know, that was sort of my first case of, you know, really just pride in my work, right? And, and you know, seeing, seeing the on-air talent and the information that I gave them and, and, uh, and really make use of it. So, um, yeah, a lot of preparation went into it, a lot of thought process went into it, a lot of reaching out and asking folks for information and, and, um, and doing that. So it was quite a bit. So you've done a ton of pre-tape work that you do, but you and I a while back took a look through a pregame show that you would put together for the Stanford-USC game, and you guys were set up at the stadium, and you kind of yeah. had to adjust on the fly. So there's a ton of preparation, but you had like Keyshawn Johnson and another former player of one of those schools show up, and you just had to kind of – Richard Sherman, that's right. Yeah, you guys just had to kind of roll yeah. with it and give them airtime. How often does that happen yeah. in a broadcast where you kind of scrap what you had planned and just roll with the punches? Yeah, well, I think that that's like the, you know, that's a good question, Brad. I think that that's, you know, that's really the crux of being a producer, right? Um, you know, the best way plans go to waste all the time. And um, certainly um, you need to be prepared for every show that you, you go and sit in the chair to do. Um, and then depending on, on what the show is, and, and, and listen, like different shows are, you know, have, have different, um, you know, things that will pop up, right? And, and the instance that you're talking about, uh, which is the Pac-12 uh, football championship game pregame show, like you said, between USC and Stanford, um, I think that was the first one that we had our talent on site for. Um, and I was back at the, at the San Francisco studios producing that show out of the control room in San Francisco. And... Um, you know, certainly I spent, you know, I mean, I, I was preparing for that show probably two weeks in advance, um, you know, working with our research department, figuring out, um, you know, some analytics, some advanced stuff that we could talk about uh, to break down the game and, and, you know, figure out some breakdown stuff for Eric Allen to do. Um, but, you know, you, you as a producer, you always want to have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C, right? You always... You always want to have to have, you always need to have somewhere to go if, you know, a technical issue will pop up or, um, you know, in the case that you're talking about, um, you know, yeah, I had to scrap original plans because, you know, anytime you get, you know, a luminary like Keyshawn Johnson or, you know, a bigger than life personality like Richard Sherman stopping by the set, um, that takes precedence over anything that I could have possibly prepared for that show, right? Because um, that's what people want to see, right? They want to see those guys, and they want to see the big names. And, and um, you know, if somebody's cruising by the set, and they say, hey, I want to jump on and, and talk with you guys, um, then, by God, that's what we're going to do, Brad, right? So, um, um, so yeah, in, in, a, in, in a situation like that where you're on site and, um, you know, gosh, I've done Rose Bowl pregame shows, Peach Bowl pregame shows, postgame shows, and, 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 you know, like I said, in those instances where, you 
know, you, you have your talent on site. You're in a, an environment where a lot of alumni are famous alumni, um, administrators, ADs, uh, you know, potential folks that could be stolen by the set that want to jump on and, and have a chat. You know, then that's what you're going to do. Now, you know, that might look different, um, you know, when you're doing a, 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 I guess, a standard studio show, right? Like, so, you know, if we're doing, um, you know, for instance, the show of record at the end of a college football Saturday on, on a Saturday night after all the games are in the book, um, you know, you're not likely, you know, that, that, that scenario is not really going to happen. However, <clears throat> you need to be prepared for other things, right? And if you're doing a, a, a typical studio pregame show ahead of a, a, a typical, you know, run-of-the-mill, you know, third week or fifth week or eighth week of the season, you know, football game, um, then what you're, you know, what you're concerned about is, is news happening, right? And, and information coming at you that you didn't know when you built the rundown for the show, you know, a couple of days before or when you're tinkering with the rundown and finalizing the rundown day of or the day before. So um, um, you always have to be able – flexibility is <clears throat> is absolutely key in, in, in any of these um, type of show scenarios, right? You have to be flexible and you have to, you know, um, allow – yourself, allow the production, allow the talent, allow the staff <clears throat> um, to be flexible to go in different directions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, to be flexible to go in different directions at, at any given point in time throughout any of these broadcasts. But. And with that flexibility, you must have had pretty good rapport with your talent to kind of give them that leisure, give them that freedom to be able to go off and do what they need to do to take that show to the next level. But you're in a room a couple hundred miles away with all the controls and all the buttons and everything in front of you dictating what's going to happen. How do you prioritize the type of things that come up on the spot or how do you change course and communicate that with your talent? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, first of all, you have to be able to editorialize, right? may hear that, that term quite a bit. Um, um, you have to understand, so depending on where, where you're working, what you're doing, what network you're at, you have to understand what priorities are of the network, what the, what the interests of the viewers are. Um, you have to understand, you know, what game you're leading into, what game you're coming out of. And, you know, if there's an injury to a, a key player of, the, of, you know, a game that you're doing a pregame show that you're leading into that game, obviously that's going to take precedence over, you know, uh, a game that's already in progress that somebody may have, um, I don't know, broken a, a school record for rushing yards in a game or whatever. Um, you have to be able to editorialize the content, um, understand what's important to the audience that you have, or the show that you're doing, and and you know, really every show that you do has a different audience, right? So, if I'm leading into a <clears throat> to a Stanford, you know, football game on a, uh, on a pregame show, I'm going to have a Stanford audience, right? Say they're playing U Dub or whatever, um, I'm going to have a, a, a Stanford and U Dub heavy audience, right? I'm not going to necessarily have you know a USC audience that may have played a noon game 
um, you know, earlier on, on or, or a, uh, yeah, a noon game on, on ABC or, or ESPN, right? So um, understanding your, the demographic of folks that you're, um, that are in your audience and, um, and then, you know, I, I think for the first portion of your question, Brad, um, you know, talking about communicating this information to talent, um, there's certainly a, there certainly needs to be a, a strong trust dynamic between producer and talent, right? Um, and I'd argue that that, that might be the most important thing. <clears throat> Because if you don't have, if there's no trust between a producer and an honor and, a, and your studio host, the analysts kind of, you know, are the analysts, right? Like, they don't need to, like, I'm not in the analyst's ear giving them traffic necessarily unless I need them to, to stop talking because I need to go to break or I'm running out of time or whatever. But the host of the show is the one that, that needs to have the information in his ear, right? And so there's a lot of nuance to that. Um, you know, every every on-air talent is different, right? They have different likes and different dislikes. Um, some of them like all the traffic in their ear all the time. Like, they want to be told where they're, what element is next, where we're going, what's coming. Um, and others don't want any traffic in their ear. You know what I mean? Like, don't memorize the rundown, they'll know exactly what's next, um, or they'll play it off the cuff. Some of them are reading prompter, some of them don't use prompter at all. Um, so you really have to understand um, the nuances of your talent, right? And, you know, that takes time to develop, and, and um, you know, trust is, is absolutely key in a live television environment, not really even just between, like, producer and talent, right? Producer and director need to have a level of trust, and, and you know, you're sort of, it's, it, it, you know, it's like you're doing, it, it, uh, you know, a dance, right, the tango, and, and you know, when you work with a, a specific on-air talent a lot or a specific director, um, you know, there's, there's a dance that you're doing, and you kind of get to know, you know, what the other person's thinking, and, and as a producer, you know, you want to, like, you have to know what everybody's doing in that control room, what everybody's doing on set in the studio, and what everybody's doing out of the bullpen. Um, so trust is, is huge, man, uh, between all the different bodies that are, that, you know, it, it takes to put on a, a live television show. Um, and so, and yeah, editorializing content, understanding what's important to the audience that you're serving. Um, I want to back up here just a second. You mentioned being able to prioritize content based on the values of the network. And you've worked, uh, this is Justin Waholtz, you've worked for NFL Network, CBS Sports, and the Pac-12 Network. How did the processes that helped you operate and do your job change between those networks? And what were some of the things that were consistent between networks? Yeah, um, I think the, the consistent thing, uh, Brad, would be um, accuracy. Um, you know, obviously, you know, in this environment, right, and, and 
sports television, you want to give accurate information, right? Like that's, that's first and foremost. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, so working at the Pac-12 networks was a pretty big departure from my previous experiences in CBS Sports and NFL Network in that, you know, the Pac-12 Networks was owned and operated fully by the Pac-12 Conference, okay? So Pac-12 Networks, you know, served as sort of a, a, a PR arm for the Pac-12 Conference, right? So we were, I don't, I want to choose my words carefully here, but it wasn't, you had, <coughs> I'll put it like this, you had more leeway, <coughs> excuse me, you had more leeway at CBS Sports and NFL Network um, to do, oh, creative things, um, maybe some goofier stuff, some funny stuff, um, uh, saying, you know, then we did a Pac-12 Networks, right? Um, Pac-12 Conference we always had a watchful eye on, you know, what we were doing on the network. Um, you know, there were, you know, you, didn't, you had to be careful not just to, you know, spin anything too negatively. Um, you know, football team is, you know, 1 in 10 or 1 in 11, you know, we you know, you're sort of asked, you know, to, to maybe not so much focus on that, but focus on their positive attributes, you know, let's say that. Um, so that was honestly the biggest difference, I think, between Pac-12 Networks and these other two um, outfits that I, that I worked at um, for several years. But, um, um, you know, NFL Network is, um, you know, certainly, I, I suppose it was, similar, right, because, you know, NFL Network is owned by the NFL, um, and, um, but, you know, there, there was a lot of, a lot of programming, a lot of different styles of shows, um, the NFL certainly has a brand, um, and, you know, you want to be watchful and, and, and mindful of, of, of that brand, um, but certainly act consistency of information is always um, at the forefront of anything that we would do at any network. Um, but, but, but some of the, the, the different things are are just sort of, you know, there, there, there's just certain places have more of a governor on, you know, sort of what you could do and talk about than other places did, Brad. Just a couple more questions for you here. Um, before we get to the end of the podcast, I just want to give you a heads up. I always like to end the show with a couple, what I like to call human questions, just get down to the root of it. So don't want to surprise you with that. It'll be up next. But I wanted to focus real quick again on on working with talent and the relationship that you have there. You said the talent has different procedures they like to operate within, and it depends on if they prefer to read or, or to memorize and have their workflows has there been a talent that's been really easy for you to work with and what things do they do that enable you to be successful and what types of things can you do to enable them to be successful in this like symbiotic relationship? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think right off the bat, I'd, I'd have to mention Mike Yam. Um, if you ever get a chance to listen to this, Mike Yam, what's up, my man? 
but uh, Mike Yam was, was uh, you know, the face of Pac-12 Networks, right? He was our, our main studio host there. Um, and, you know, Yammer was, you know, Yammer was a pro. And, um, you know, Yam, he, that guy made my life so easy, Brad, um, because Yam would be able, he was a master transitioner, I would say, right? Um, he would, like, I didn't, my philosophy as a producer, right, what I try to do when I'm sitting down and I'm building a rundown for a show, um, I, what I tried to do was I, I would go into the rundown and I would write, you know, VOs or full screen copy, right? I'd write the script for these elements because I knew, like, the, the show would be in my vision, right? And I'm stacking the show, um you know, without really any input from talent or anything like that. Of course, if they, like, of course I would talk to them, hey, is there anything specific you really want to do this week? Um, you know, and I get their feedback on that. But, but typically I'm building the show and I'm, I'm stacking the show and it's, it's the way that I feel is, is the best fit for, for what we're trying to do. And so I would always try to write in all the elements, whether it be the, you know, pre-show tease or, you know, bump out, you know, bump to break element, uh, voiceovers, full screen information. Um, because I knew the overall message that I was trying to, and the overall message and the overall information that I'm trying to get out. The only person that really knew that was me. And so I met with Alan and let them know, you know, sort of what my plans were for the show. Um, but, you know, Mike Yam was so good at, you know, we, we talked earlier about, you know, changing directions at the drop of a dime as new information came in or something happened or a guest joined the show. Um, you know, Mike Yam was so ultra prepared and, you know, he used our research department um, to such a high level. We had, by the way, we had a great research department at, at Pac-12 Networks. Shout out to Ryan and Brady. Um, who also knows uh, John Schrader really well, by the way. <laughs> um, but, you know, Ryan McGrady was a terrific researcher, um, really, really bright guy. And Mike Gamm and Ryan, Ryan McGrady had a, a great relationship where, um, you know, they shared a lot of information back and forth. And so Mike Gamm was always armed with a nugget, a line, a piece of information about a player, a a coach, uh, an assistant coach, that if we had to switch directions at the drop of a dime, Mike Yam would handle it beautifully, right? And so I always felt, um, you know, a sense of freedom sitting in the chair producing a show that Mike Yam was hosting um, because I knew that, that whatever direction that we needed to go, he'd be able to go there, no problem, right? Um, some other folks, you know, you might need to you might need to provide that transition for them. Hey, we're switching gears here. We're going to, you know, toss out to a, to you know, live coverage of a, of a press conference and, you know, um, you know, such and such players speaking, they had 28 points in the game, um, you know, 28 points, 10 assists, double-double, 12 double-double a year. And then so they, then they could relay that information. They could use that transition from the element that they go 
from to the press conference to the players are speaking, right? So um, in, in that sense, that's where, you know, my game was so brilliant, right? Um, so that made it super easy on me. And then, uh, and then you know, vice versa, um, you know, like I just told you, sometimes I, I would need to provide that information, and, and um, which is okay too, right? Like there's not a right or a wrong way. Um, but that just, that just made me um, have to be on top of my game, right? And I had to be knowledgeable um, about everything that was going on just as much as, as you know, the on-air talent was, right? Um, and certainly we all feed off each other. We all talk throughout the week leading up to the show. Um, and you really want to sort of get inside, um, you know, your, your colleague's mind, whether it's talent or producer, and really know what the other person is thinking. Um, and then, you know, once you work with these folks for, for, you know, dozens or hundreds of shows, um, certainly chemistry is created and, um, you know how to handle different talent and talent knows how to handle different producers and they know what, what they might need to, to, to up their game on to protect the producer or, or vice versa, right? So um, that's what I'd say about that. Awesome. All right. Uh, last question here. Time for the, the the human question. I know you've lived on both coasts, um, and I think I might have an inclination to the answer here based on <laughs> your recent vacation history that you've told me about. But if you had to pick between East Coast and West Coast, where do you end up? Oh, 100% West Coast, my man. Um, I, listen, I'm, a, I'm a Southern California native, um, and uh, it, it's 100% the West Coast. Um, it, it, listen, New York City, I lived in New York City for almost six years, um, had a terrific experience there, um, wouldn't have changed my time there for, for anything in the world, my experience there. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I would say, it should be mandated that everybody go live in New York City for at least one year out of their life. It's that great of an experience. Um, but, uh, but listen, I'm a West Coast guy. Um, you know, I'm from San Diego. Uh, 70 degrees year-round does not suck. Um, you know, you can hit the golf course whenever you want. Um, and, uh, and not for nothing, uh, when you live on the East Coast, man, and you're trying to watch a Lakers game that, that tips off at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, that's no good, man. Uh, that's no good. You have to stay up till 1 a.m., 2 a.m., you know, just to finish watching the game. And and uh, God forbid you want to watch a, a West Coast college football game or, a, or you know, Monday night football that kicks off at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. Um, you know, that's no good either. But uh, it's West Coast all the way, but. I could go for some of that uh, seventy degree sunshine on the on the links right now myself, man. Oh, that sounds I, I, fantastic. I, 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 listen, let, let me also talk this in. Uh, you know, I work at NFL Network in Los Angeles. Work at Pac-12 Network in San Francisco. Um, it's Southern California all the way, by the way. <laughs> awesome well hey man i want to thank you so much for making time for this i know you've been busy so it means a lot and i we've learned a lot listening to you today so justin waholtz everyone thank you so much man i appreciate it thanks for having me brad i appreciate it you bet